Sounds like a game show host. <laughs> All right, so one of the things that we get to do here as a church is walk alongside families uh, as they raise their kids. And we're, we're all, we get to be part of that as a church. Uh, and so Pointer families coming up, David, Aaron, and the star of the show, Haven. Uh, woke up from a nap recently, so she's thrilled. Hi. And Nick and Abby are the godparents uh, for their family. Um, so as, as we dedicate kids, it's really the family coming before the church and saying, we are going to raise our daughter to know Jesus to the best of our abilities. And then it's an opportunity for the church to go, we are going to be a church that is an example and shows kids and demonstrates who Jesus is by the way that we live as a community, right? So um, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four through nine, there is a scripture, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on our hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. See, it's this beautiful section of verses that says, here is what we're to teach our kids, who God is, who Jesus is. And we are to do that as a part of everyday life. It's not just about going to church on Sundays. It's about what you do when you get up in the midday, in the night. How do you go to bed? You write these things on your home. You make these things the center of your life and you teach your kids who Jesus is. And that's for us as parents, for David and Aaron, but it's also for us as a church family. This is what we are to do for our kids. So David and Aaron, will you, by God's help and power, dedicate yourselves to discipling Haven so that she may come to know who Jesus is, be baptized, and follow him? Church, Will you as a congregation dedicate yourselves to be faithful in your calling to be the body of Christ so that Haven and the other kids will experience who Jesus is in this place so they may come to know who he is? If so, say we will. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for this family. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for Haven and that she is beautiful. You put her together. You gave her a personality. You knit her together to be your daughter. We pray for David and Aaron that they would be rooted and found to be in you as, as you are their foundation. And that as they parent, as they raise Haven, that they would follow you. And that every step of the way, every challenge, every hardship, every joy, they would come back to you, they would abide in you. And they would lead Haven to see who you are. 
We praise you for this family. We ask that you protect them, you guide them, and that they abide in you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. All right, as I get my table situated, turn to your neighbor and say, what's your favorite part of spring that you're looking forward to? Go. All right, all right. You guys are loud this morning. I love it. Um, so, um, next week we go to two services. That's amazing. Uh, invite someone who needs to hear about Jesus uh, starting next week. You should have been inviting them all along, but invite them next week. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, we are in the season of Lent. So maybe if you grew up in the tradition of going to church, you, you kind of have this vague idea of what Lent is, right? Uh, maybe if you grew up Catholic, you, you know it's this time when you stop eating meat and you got to go to fish fries on Friday and, and go to actually these extra church services. And, and you may see on social media, like there's something about some like people with some ashes on their forehead. And you may not completely understand what that's all about. But Lent is this season uh, that is walking us into Easter. It's preparing us for Easter. It's the 40 days before Easter, and as Christ followers, it's the part in the Christian calendar where we start to prepare our hearts for Easter. It's a time of transformation. It's, it's a time where there's a lot of times there's fasting that's associated with it or prayer that's associated with it. That's why we created the prayer room to give us a space where we could go, where we could write down prayers on the wall, where we could put post-it notes up and pray for specific people. A lot of times there's this idea of fasting with it. I'm going to stop doing this as a way to make me aware of the hold that this has on my life and to make me depend on Jesus rather than whatever this thing is. So if you haven't, decided I'm going to fast, I'm going to spend some dedicated moments to pray, I would encourage you, do that. This is not something that we have to do as we follow Jesus, but this is something that we get to do. And this is something, these seasons in the Christian calendar form us and transform us. How many of you heard that song, Firm Foundation? And you're sitting there going like, I don't know about that. I would ask you to raise your hand, but I know not everybody's going to raise their hand. But you're sitting there, you're singing the lyrics of the songs, you're like, Jesus, you are everything. Jesus, I can depend on you. Jesus, you will provide. You won't fail me. 
How many of us would go, eh, yeah? Like, I know what my answer should be. But sometimes my life experience doesn't quite add up to that, right? Or, or sometimes maybe that's why you're here at church. Because you're in a season where you're going, where is Jesus? Because it feels like he's failing me. This struggle is taking hold. This struggle is bigger than anything I can shoulder or anything I can get through on my own. Or these life circumstances are just bringing me to my knees because there's nothing I can do. I'm solely just relying on Jesus to show up. And what I want to encourage you with is he won't fail you. He is the only one that is worthy of our devotion and of our dependence on him. And that may be hard to believe when you're in the season that you're in. But this is what I love having some older Christ followers in the room because you get out of that particular season and you have a longer time with Jesus. You start to see, oh, in that moment, maybe I was wondering where Jesus was, but I look back 20 years later, and man, Jesus was here, Jesus was here, he sent this person here, he sent this church here, he helped in this way, he brought me this counselor, he brought me this doctor, he brought all these things and orchestrated it, and I can look back and trace the path that Jesus provided for me. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your journey, keep going. Keep pursuing Jesus. Keep abiding. Keep remaining in him. So we're in chapter 3 of Colossians. All that was for free. But chapter 3 of Colossians, um, we're going to get started. And it's going to be a little shorter sermon, so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do some work here because I want to provide some time for us at the end to actually just pray together and confess and, and have some freedom in the room for you to do what you need to do with Jesus. So, Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now, you must rid yourselves of all things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. 
Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So if today's your first Sunday, you're going to have to put a little bookmark, maybe go back and listen to the last couple sermons, but we've been playing with Tupperware, and uh, I think it's been all right. So um, this has been like our working illustration as, as we've been walking through this, right? This is an attempt to give us a, a, a mental picture of who we are as we follow Jesus, right? So according to the scriptures, you are in Christ, right? We could do all this and, and do this. Your old nature, your sinful nature, like the thing we were all born in, the thing that we struggle with, uh, had sin inside of you. Like this is the first three chapters of, of the book of Colossians. There's sin inside of you. When you follow Jesus, this fundamentally changed. Like this doesn't rule your life anymore. Can I get an amen? Come on, church. Uh, you answer one question, but we got to be alive for the whole thing, all right? So this, it does not have power over you any longer. There is a new power in your life that is stronger than this power. Now, we talked about, there is, throughout the New Testament, this flesh side of us and this spirit side of us. Paul is always encouraging us, throw away the flesh part of you and Bring in the spirit part of you because Christ in you is what? Hope of glory. It's Christ in you that is the thing that has changed. And not only Christ in you, but you are also in Christ. And you are sealed up uh, by the Holy Spirit here. Those are the handles. And then if we had a bigger Tupperware, there'd be God around this. So you would be in God, in Christ, in you, and Christ is in you. And that's all the hope of glory. Like your, your life is hidden in Christ. You were buried. Your old self was buried. And you were raised up by what? The power of Jesus. In Ephesians, it says you have access to all spiritual blessing and power. Because of what? Anything you can do? No. It's Jesus inside of you. See? Right in there. He's in you. So you're not walking around just like, I'm a sinner. I do all these things wrong. Maybe on a good day, I'll do something okay, and Jesus will think highly of me. The New Testament preaches, no, you are in Christ. So when he looks at you, what does he see? Christ. And he being in you is the hope of glory. And, and so you're not just a sinner walking around. Maybe you'll do a good thing someday. You're a saint who has access to quit all that stuff that belongs to the flesh, that belongs to the earth. 
the way that Paul starts to talk about this in Colossians. He says, since then, since what? What's that since based on? This, right? Since all of this is true, since you have a new identity, you are no longer being powered by this fleshly nature. You are no longer being powered by these things. You are powered by something else that's Jesus. Since that is a reality, like just get that through your head. I can't emphasize that enough. Since that is your reality, set your hearts on things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on earthly things. Why? Because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This is our reality. So set your mind and your hearts on things that are above. Throughout the book of Colossians, there's this uh, part, like later on, I say it all the time at the end of the service, maybe you catch it, but Paul will say, whatever you do in word or in deed. In Colossians, as we build this out, there's this emphasis on a whole life. Like this isn't just behave better. This is believe who you are. Start thinking in this reality. And as you think differently about who you are in Christ, your life will start to look different. See, the focus isn't on behavior alone. We're going to read some verses here that you could really go, oh, it's all about behavior. It's not. It's about the way that you think and the way that your mind operates, and that plays itself out in your word and deed in life. In verse 5, Paul says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Since then, this is your reality. Since then, this is your identity. You don't get to identify however you'd like if you're following Jesus. You identify as a Christ follower. Christ in you, you in Christ. That's the hope of glory. That's it. As you follow Jesus, put to death these things. Put off these things. Put to death these things. What does he say? Sexual immorality. What else? Lust? What else? Don't pay attention to my writing. What else? Greed? What else? Idolatry. What else? Oh no. Anger fell. Thank you. What else? 
I'm angry. No. <laughs> what else? What else? We'll do that. Rage. I'm about to rage. What else? Malice. Slander. Derek's like, okay, I get it. We're going through the list. Put off all of these things. Put to death all of these things. Kill all of these things. You don't live by them any longer. These things no longer have power in your life. What does that mean? It means that I could live differently. It means that sexual desire, immorality, evil desires does not have power over my life. See, these sins are broken up into two categories. One is around sexuality and desires. The other is around anger in relationship with other people. And so Paul is coming going, put these things off, kill it. This is not part of what it means to follow Jesus. Lust. This, is, this doesn't need to define your life. Anger. Anger is a sign that something is going on inside that you need to deal with. Malice is when you get angry and then you start to put a strategy towards it. This list, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires, impurity, and greed, which is idolatry. It's this idea that we worship, we talk about this all the time, we worship the created versus the creator. If you are in this room right now, which you are human, and that means that you are most likely struggling with one of these things on this list. In that first batch of things that Paul mentions, it's that we are chasing after what has been created to satisfy something that only the creator can satisfy. So I'm lonely. I'm going to go jump on the computer and look at something. I feel insecure. I don't feel like I'm enough. So I'm going to jump on social media and I'm going to see all these people with these beautiful bodies and these beautiful kitchens and beautiful homes and perfect lives and perfect marriages and perfect careers and they're making tons and tons and tons of money and I can't seem to scrap by 50 bucks. I'm going to lust after all of that. Chase the created rather than rooting and founding myself in the creator. I'm going to look to all these things to satisfy. And guess what? They won't satisfy. I'll tell you the end of the story. They just won't. I'm going to have this anger in my life, in my heart, for whatever reason. And every time something happens, I'm going to get angry. And it's going to be uncontrollable. I'm just going to be angry at whatever it is that is holding me back, the root of whatever it is. I don't even know what the root is because my initial response is just to be angry. And that's how I get it out. Anger is not bad. 
It's what you do with the anger. Anger is a sign on the dashboard that something internal needs to be addressed and worked on. In all these things, there are signals on the dashboard. There are little warning lights going, hey, you're attracted to this. You're chasing after this. What's going on in your heart and your mind? You know this won't satisfy. You know this isn't going to fulfill you. This is just going to leave you more and more empty. You chase after those relationships on the weekend, after the bar, and you just think that's going to make you feel better. And you wake up, and it just feels more and more and more empty. I get angry. I throw something. I punch something. Sure, maybe it relieves it for a little while. But it's not the long-term solution. Inside, you have to do something with that pain, that anger, that hurt. Or it grows. Here's the beautiful thing about all of this. Paul says... Kill these things. Kill them. They're not part of your life as a Christ follower. And all of us will look at that list and go, yeah, it's part of my life. Or has been part of my life. And here's what I want to encourage you by. As you follow Jesus, these things will die. If you lean in. If you're intentional if you remain, if you abide. Paul is saying, you're not only free from these things. You are free to live a whole new life in Christ where those things are not your identity. Um, Kelly put this on Facebook, which I found was profound and brilliant. Christ in me, I am in Christ, everything else is just a sticky note. Isn't that beautiful? Like Paul is saying, these things don't define you. Kill them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, discipleship is the first step of a thousand. So you may be sitting here and going, well, I get angry. <laughs> well, I struggle with lust. Well, I struggle with this desire in me that I know isn't from Jesus, it's from somewhere else. I, I struggle because I, there's ways that I intentionally try to plan uh, to maybe be up better than one but, with somebody else. I put my identity in all these things. I have all these things in the center of my heart other than Jesus. So I am idolatrous. You may be sitting here going, I, I, I'm on that list. What do I do? And I want to encourage you. It's about taking one step. Because this journey of discipleship is a lifetime. And as you take one step, as you do one thing, as you confess, as you see a counselor, as you pray, as you build in spiritual disciplines around your life, these things start to be killed off. 
there's grace and there's mercy. In which Jesus goes, come on. Did you forget? I'm in you. You're in me. We're all in God. Let's do one step at a time. And you're going to look back over 20 years and go, holy cow. All these things used to be a part of my life. All these things used to be shackles on me that I struggled with, that I couldn't get away from. And as I followed Jesus, as I did the spiritual disciplines, as I was formed, as I belonged part of a community, as I went to counseling, saw doctors, I went through all these things and started to form my mind in the way of Christ. And these things just started to fall off. Now, there's a million other things I could go into. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to just work in your life. It all starts with confession. It all starts with this, I'm going to confess to Jesus, to somebody else, where I'm at. Uh, Scripture talks a lot about confession, and we're in Lent, which is a season of confession. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses renounces them and finds mercy. In the message version, it says you can't whitewash your sins and get away with it. They will find you. You find mercy by admitting them and leaving them. Killing them. The word confess in the Hebrew language is this word that's like throw out, cast out. It's having the sticky note sit right here and going, this doesn't belong in me. This doesn't have power in my life. I'm tossing it away. And in James chapter 5, it says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you can live together whole and healed in Christ. So this morning, uh, we are going to have a time of singing, of worship, and confession. And and so Scott is going to be at the back. Emily is going to be up here. Our worship team is going to come up. And we're going to sing a couple songs. And this is your time. And I want to encourage you, confess. Get it out. Why? Because it doesn't belong in here. And Paul is saying, get it out. Kill it. Confessing is the first step of killing something. It's the first step of going, you don't have power over me anymore. Because it's Christ in me. It's the hope of glory. That's the power. That's the source. That's the firm foundation. Everything else is just a sticky note. So, I want to encourage you. Confess. Whatever sticky notes are on you this morning. Confess. Come up and have someone pray for you.
turn to a trusted friend or a stranger and have them pray for you. There's notepads in the pews. Write it down in the notepad. Take your phone out and write it down in your notes application. Get it out. It's the first step. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you. We come before you and we confess, Jesus. These sticky notes that we add to who we are. And we give them power. And we fuel them. And Jesus, I pray you break just those chains. You provide a way forward for healing. Let this be the first step that we take. Amen.